0: Hello, and thank you for listening to this message from Pastor Gary Ellert here at Grace Bible Fellowship in Front Royal, Virginia. Maybe you've been in a place in your life where you feel like a nobody, but the Bible tells us that as believers, we are members of the body of Christ and have a vital place in it. Pastor Gary shows that the book of 1 Corinthians teaches that Christians are to be united and care for one another. My subject this morning is everybody is somebody. Now, you may have been at a place in your life where you thought that you were just nobody and that nobody really cared. And um, most of us have, have come to that place at one time in our life or another. But everybody is somebody and especially when you're a member of the body of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 12, 12 it says for even as the body is one and yet as many members and all the members of the body though they may though they are many are one body also so also in Christ. So you and I are members of one body and that is the body of Christ. Then the Bible goes on to say, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, then all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. I want you to notice something here in this text, because it seems like Christians are more concerned about, about people outside of the body of Christ than they are the body of Christ. The, Bi- the Bible says here that we should have the same care for one another. When we're a member of the body, all of us all of us should think of the membership and when I think of membership, I don't mean whether your name is written on the book or anything else like that. If you're in in church, you're a member of the body of Christ. But we should rejoice with when somebody is successful, and we should be there when somebody's going through a rough time. And that's what the body of Christ is all about. Now you are the body, says. Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. What we understand about these texts is that there should be no division within the body. In other words, there should be a oneness towards Christ and Christ only. Um, And our priorities should be caring for one another. Here at Grace Bible, I believe that we are called to share the good news of the gospel of grace. A lot is said about grace, but there's a lot of confusion about it as well. We're called here not only to proclaim the gospel of grace, but to demonstrate the freedom that there is in Christ. To teach people of all faiths, their identity in Christ. And we teach that comes from the very one who promised us that he would take our sins away, and that is our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, at the same time, we believe that all believers have spiritual gifts. Everyone, doesn't make any difference who you are, you have a spiritual gift. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. There are varieties of ministries, and the same Lord. Then the Bible says, There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for a common good. Walking in the Spirit is not a solo mission. When we are functioning in the Spirit, We are functioning within the body of Christ, and we're ministering to each other. That's the beauty of it. We have been called to build relationships with fellow believers. Our gifts, and we all have them, is an uh, expedition, I can't even say it now, of the power of the Holy Spirit working through the believer. That's what it's all about. Some years ago, a friend of mine, he lost his wife to heart disease. Because of his belief, he knew that he would see her again in heaven. Now, there were some believers within the fellowship who definitely had the gift of mercy. And those people gathered around him, listened to him, listened to his pain, and they ministered unto him prayed for him, and that meant everything. Those in the body that had the gift of hospitality, they invited him over to their homes, spent hours with him. And he said to me that that meant the world to him. Well, that's what the body of Christ is all about. We all have different gifts. And the Bible tells us in 1 Peter 4.10, as each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So the Bible calls us to take our gifts and use them within the body of Christ to minister to each other. And that's what fellowship and that's what the Bible, I mean, that's what the church is all about. We're to minister to each other. We're to Called, we've been called to get to know each other. The more you know of a person, the more you love the person. And so God has called us to do that. The Bible also says that we are to, to supply, we, what we do is supplying each other with God's gift. Whosoever speaks, is to do so as one who is speaking the utterance of God. Whoever serves is to to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs with glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Everything we do is considered part of service everything the home is the primary territory of our witness for christ what would happen if christians who go to work every day thought that going to work is a process of actually serving god what would that mean instead of a job it would be a mission that they were on I had uh, before, I took took a leave of absence some years ago, and I had a company up there in Northern Virginia. We had 37 employees, and I prayed for those employees um, every day. And I wanted to represent Christ the best way that I could, and that is to just be myself, be who I am, be who Christ says that I am. And that's all that Christ has ever asked us to do. Be who God says we are. Now, keep in mind, there's a big difference in choosing to serve and choosing to be a servant. If you choose to serve, you're still somewhat in charge. If you choose to be a servant, you give up that right to be in charge. And that's the major difference. We don't need today, we don't need more missionaries. We don't need more pastors. We don't need more evangelists. What the world needs is Christians in the marketplace. Doing God's work, but doing God's work God's way. And there's a big difference there. What would it look like if we were to represent God in doing it God's way? Well, it would look something like this. It's someone who loves God, rejoices in life, and believes because they understand that Christ is their life. Now, many of you may have grown up in the Christian church. You were taught that you were given gifts. But you also were taught that if you didn't use them, they'd be taken away. How many of you ever heard that? Yes. You were given a gift. If you didn't use it, it'd be taken away. And you would lose your rewards. And, of course, we found out in studying the Bible that our reward is eternal life with Jesus Christ. But you may have been taught that you would lose rewards. And sometimes they refer to this as the beam of judgment, where you're going to be judged whether you use the gifts that God gave you or not. And a lot of times you were taught that through a parable found in Matthew 25. So, we're going to go through that parable, and you're going to find out that none of that was true. It's just not true. But you were led to believe that, and really the message you got is you better get busy for Jesus. You better start doing what Jesus wants you to do. If you don't, you're going to lose your reward. So let's go to the parable. And remember one one thing about a parable. Jesus spoke in parables. He spoke in allegories. It's very dangerous for us to take a parable and an allegory and make a doctrine out of it. Jesus gave us these parables to enlighten us on what he was trying to get across to the Jewish people. So here we go, for it is just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. Now, we know that we are not slaves. We're children of God. A lot of people that have read this parable think that it's all about Christians. Well, we'll find out whether it is or isn't. To the one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability, and he went on his journey. Immediately the one who had received the five talents went and traded them, traded with them and gained five more talents. In the same manner, the one who had received the two talents, he gained two more talents. So he did exactly what the first one did, only he had less, but the result was the same. But he who received the one talent went away, dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. The one who had received the five talents came up and brought the five more and brought five more talents saying master you entrusted five talents to me see i have gained five more talents the master said to him well done good and faithful slave you were faithful with a few things i will put you in charge of many things enter into the joy of your master And then also the one who had received the two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I have gained two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the Bible says, And the one also who had received, excuse me, the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid, and I went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. But his master answered and said to him, you wicked, lazy slave. You knew that I reaped where I did not sow and gathered where I scattered no seed. Now it gets worse. And you ought to have, you, then you ought to have put my money in the bank. And on my arrival, I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore, take away the talent from him and give it to the one who, Who has the ten talents? For to everyone who has, more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. Throw out the worthless slave into the outer darkness, in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, we know that it cannot be talking about Christians because the Bible says that God will never leave us nor forsake us. The Bible says that our salvation is secure. So what is all of this talking about? The point of the parable is <clears throat> that the Lord is talking about investing and getting a return. It's not working. It's not doing things. Nowhere in the parable is it working. But all of a sudden, people associate that with what they do, whether it's going to please God or not. And that's not what the Bible is saying. It's about humans. It's about investing and getting returns to what you have been given. Now... Some people, they hear the word and they do nothing with it. They bury it. Some have heard a little and some have heard more. But the principle is the same. When you invest in what Jesus Christ has already given you, the returns are out of sight. And that's what the Bible is talking about. The real issue here is the one who misunderstood the character of God. Think about it. <clears throat> People are leaving the churches in groves today. Membership is down in north, across North America in unbelievable numbers. And especially so with men. Now, a lot of people have gone to church year after year after year. And they've seemed to have heard the same message a thousand times over. And what is that message? The message is there's something wrong with you. And so, you need to love God more, they say. <clears throat> you need <clears throat> Excuse me, you need to do more for God. You need to give more. And the, that's the message that people have heard a thousand different ways. You need to love God more. You need to give more. You need to do more. And people have tried And they've tried over the years. And they don't seem any closer to God than they were when they started out with God. Many Christians, they feel somehow that they have to prove their love to God. And they do it in all different sorts of ways. It's unbelievable what the Christian church is going through today. Now, do we understand the character of our God? Do we really embrace what he has done for us, what he has given to us? Because if we do, our returns are going to be great. They're going to be off the charts. Real Christianity is being ourselves. It's not trying to be somebody else. No, that it's not trying to be like Jesus. It's being ourselves. If we, if we are being religious so that we can please God somehow, that he'll say to us, well done, thy good and faithful servant. The moment that you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you heard the word, well done, thy good and faithful servant. You embraced him. He embraced you. And he promised he would never leave you nor forsake you. No matter what, no matter what. We can't get past that no matter what. Well, it's it's maybe because of what I do. Because maybe who I am. And so we try our very best to please God. Where God says he's already pleased with us. Just the way we are. Just the way we are. But we have a hard time embracing that. We feel that He would love us more if we would change more. If we would love him more. Listen to this text, or Ephesians 6:24: "Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with incorruptible love." Now if you look up the word incorruptible, it means it cannot be destroyed does not decay. If you love the Lord Jesus Christ, you love him because the Bible says he first loved us. Well, what do we know about God's love? What have we embraced into our personal lives about God's love? You know, it's so easy to say I love God. It's so easy to say, oh, I know, God loves me. And it's so easy to say, yes, God loves me just the way I am. And all the time we're hoping that we would be different. So do we really embrace what God says is true about us? We only love God because he first loved us. So. Do you believe that you have an incorruptible love? Because you do. It'll never decay. It'll never fade away. You have an indestructible love for God. That is a gift that God has given you. He's given every single one of us that. The Bible says... And you've heard me say it over and over, and I want to say it again. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit. Notice that spirit is lowercase. That means human spirit. I will put a new human spirit within you, and I will remove the heart of stone. Your heart of stone has been removed. It's been removed. It's, It's all taken place. And then he gave you a heart of flesh. And then he said, I will put my spirit, the Holy Spirit, capital, within you and cause you and cause you to walk in my ways. And you will walk in my statures and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. Now, that's what God says that he did to you. He gave you a new human heart. You can argue this point until the cows come home. And you're not going to get far because he gave you this. He gave you a new heart, a new human spirit. And then he put the Holy Spirit in you. And then he says that he gave you this incorruptible love. And what does all that mean? It means that you can be you. And that's what God wants. He wants you, your personality, as different as each one of us are. He wants your personality. He wants to live through that personality. <clears throat> His Everything that God wants to do, he wants to do through you because you're so unique. Nobody else is like you. Nobody. And is all he wants to do is to live his life through you. He's already done everything else. He's given you a new heart, new human spirit. He took the old heart of stone away. You are. You are. You have the love of Christ living in you. You are love. You're everything that God says you are. And the parable of the talent is embrace it. Embrace who you are. You are precious in his sight. If you embrace it, you'll get a glimpse of God's love that's unbelievable. I mean, when I first heard John 3:16, it didn't mean a whole lot to me. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Didn't mean that much to me because of my own earthly father. I associated my earthly father with God the Father. When I found out, when I came under conviction, I should say, when God gave me that picture, when I found out that Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross, he took away my sins. Now, we hear that a lot but we don't really believe it. We feel that he took them away as far as when we said yes to Christ. And then, as we have discussed many times here, then the process now is to keep up with your sins, and that is not true. When he forgave forgave our sins, he he died only once to forgive us all sin, past, present, and future. We live in a state of forgiveness. We are a child of the living God. And what he has done in us and through us causes us to embrace him and love him because he has taken away all of our sins. He's cleansed us. He's cleaned house. And at our deepest core, we are everything that God says that we are. That's why we love him. Because we are everything that he says that we are. And when we embrace that truth, when we really believe it, the picture of God becomes overwhelming then. Because now we, we, we see a God who loves us so much, yes, that he gave his only begotten son. He loves us so much that he tells, it, it, the Bible tells us that we, when we said yes to Christ, it was God God the Father, who came to us and knocked on our door, really? And when we said yes to him, the Bible says that we are a gift to Jesus. We are a gift to him. You and I are a gift. And here sometimes we think that we're nobody. We are a gift to the Lord Jesus Christ. Christians talk a lot about bearing fruit. And when you hear bearing fruit, what do you think of? Well, you probably think of witnessing, maybe passing out literature, giving Bible studies. That's bearing fruit. That's proving that you love God. And how many people have been in church, they listened to an appeal to go out and do something And they forced themselves to do it because they thought that that's what they were supposed to do. And if they didn't do it, they were demonstrating that they really didn't love God that much. That is not true at all. Bearing fruit is simply letting God work through you. What a privilege that we have. We can be ourselves ourselves. We could, our sense of humor, whatever it is, whether it's a dry sense of humor, whatever it may be. We have a unique, a unique personality. And God is saying to us that he wants us to be ourselves. He doesn't want us to try to be holy. We are holy, the Bible says. He doesn't want us to try to please God. We are already pleasing to God. He doesn't want us to go through all this gymnastics of religion. I mean, there's religions all all around the world. And there's good people in them. They're trying hard to please whatever God that they serve. No different than a lot of Christians. Trying desperately to be pleasing to God. And not knowing that all this time, all this time, God's been pleased with you. He's been pleased with you, and his only desire is to work through you in that unique personality that you have. God is an awesome God. The Bible says that he lives in us, and it's all he wants to do, you know, is to live through you. And if you will be yourself... You just be who you are. If you're a fun person, be a fun person. If you're a shy person, be a shy person. Don't try to change. If there's any changing to do, let God do it. But don't you try it because it doesn't work. It doesn't work. People have gone to church for 20, 30 years. And their experience with God is still the same. They're looking at God. They're they're building and basing their life on what they do and who they think they are. It's time that we step back and look at God as he sees us. This is the remarkable thing. If you will be yourself it'll turn out that you will be an expression of Jesus Christ if you will be yourself. If you try to be a religious person, you try to be something, no, it's, it's, it's the flesh that's working. But if you don't try any of that, if you'll just be yourself, you will be an expression of Jesus Christ. And your investment by believing in what Jesus Christ says about you, your returns, like I say, they'll be off the charts. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for everything. We just praise you. We're just reminded once again how much you love us. Thank you for that. For we ask it in in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Thanks again for listening to this message from Grace Bible Fellowship in Front Royal, Virginia. If you'd like more information about our church, please go to www.gracebiblefellowshipchurch.org.